Just a fresh reminder that 2017, the faithful shall flourish and it shall be like days of heaven on earth. Hallelujah. To flourish means to thrive, to increase, to enlarge, to grow, to be prosperous, to abound, to spread out, to expand, to make steady progress and be at a high point in one's life. I don't know about you, but every day I'm flourishing. Every day I'm growing. Every day I'm increasing. You know, God is a God of increase. Amen. He's a God of progression. He takes us from glory to glory, faith to faith. Amen. Thank you, Father. And we're going to get into this new series tonight. If uh, you missed any of our last series, we talked about faith for about three months. And encouraging go online and go to heritageoffaith.com and you can watch or listen to those. Go to iTunes, listen to those, go to YouTube and you can just type in Heritage of Faith Christian Center and download those and listen to those. Encourage you to go back and listen to the word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Amen. And so Wednesday nights, is, I always like to relay this, it's kind of like our Bible school, so to speak. So we're going to be on this topic, hearing God, for a number of weeks. I don't know how many weeks yet. Probably take us into after the first of the year, just as the Holy Spirit directs. Um, now, I know next week we have, we'll have a special guest with us. He, he pastors and has established uh, three Heritage of Faith churches in South Africa, and Johannesburg, um, Cape Town, and Wetbank, and... And um, his dad uh, actually was, um, or, uh, was I believe, um, Kristen so to speak, as a child. I mean, his great-grandfather by, uh, I think, I believe it was John G. Lake. And his dad was very um, instrumental in, um, his dad was very instrumental in working to break down the barriers in the apartheid. Um, he used to be also be an executive back, remember the compact computers? HP eventually bought them out. Well, he used to be an executive for HP, um, left, left a high-paying job as an executive, went in the ministry, and became uh, director for Jerry Civil Ministries International for a number of years. And he, he has a leadership school. Uh, he established a leadership school. Uh, it's it really really established through Jerry Civil Ministries, um, but established a business school and uh, just amazing. And now he, he, he's back as a director over all of Africa for us. Just a dynamic man, great leader, um, it just really appreciate his heart. Just such a man of compassion. And uh, he, he, uh, he, he called me yesterday and asked, he said, he said, now I, I know you, you're on this topic. He said, but I had something in my heart I, I'd like to share. And he says, it really will affect everyone's life, um, specifically dealing with any sorts of relationships, whether um, parents dealing with children, children and parents, um, husband and wives, how you relate to church, how you relate to different aspects of life. And and um, like I said, so you don't want to miss next week. Bring somebody with you, and, and it's just going to be an awesome time next week. Amen? But I'm excited to start this new series tonight. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalms 23. Psalms 23. Hallelujah. A lot of scripture tonight, so just bear with me and just follow along. And... Um, because if we're not careful, the traditions that we have in our life, the traditions that we've received, maybe through past teachings, even our own ideas or even our own opinions, um, can make God's word, word of none effect. Jesus tells, told the Pharisees that in Matthew chapter 15. You know, your traditions make the word of God of none effect. So, so I don't want my traditions to getting, to way, getting in the way of how God wants me to live. And, and often uh, in times in life is, is we, we like our opinions and we like our ideas because sometimes our opinions, we try to use our opinions to explain God when we just need to get to know God better and allow God to shape our opinions. You know, especially, you know, in, in day and age, you know, everyone tries to fit their, take their opinion and try to make sense of God instead of getting a hold of God and let it shape their opinions. And so there's so many people giving their opinions and even, even denominations, even I've been guilty in my own life where, where I'd like to, like my soapbox, get on my soapbox, but I'll come back to the word and the Lord's, well, where's that in the word? You know, for, for a, for a statement that it sounds, it sounds really good. It sounds spiritual. And, um, and you mean, you can get people to cry about it. You can get people to shout about it and you can get people to, to persevere through things with this one statement. God is in control. You know, I, I think if we all were honest, we've used that statement. But you know what? It's not a true statement. 
Some people are like, what? God's not in control? Have you seen this earth lately? I think, I think if my God was in control, I think he could do a little bit better job than what's going on, right? As Vic and I were talking, you know, he, it said he gave the earth to the children of men. Amen. So, so what's going on in the world is not God's problem. It's, it's a man problem. And so say God is control. We, we like to say that because we don't understand what we're, where we're at and we don't understand God. So therefore it's easier to take responsibility off of ourselves and say, oh, well, well, God's in control. Well, God's in control if you give him control. <laughs> and I, it's not, not my topic tonight, but, uh, you know, but, you know, maybe I'll, I'll elaborate on that a little bit as we go tonight. We'll see how the Holy Spirit directs. But, but understanding, we, I, I don't want my opinions to, to, to dictate what God's word says. Amen. Amen. So let's get into this in Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me, leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. So here in these two verses, we see a couple things. It says that he makes me lie down. It says he leads me. He restores me. Then he says, he leads me in paths of righteousness. So here in a couple of verses, we're seeing God causing us to lie down in green pastures. He's directing us into green pastures. He's, he's doing what? He's restoring us. He's restoring us. How? Because he's leading us. You see, a shepherd, what does a shepherd do? A shepherd leads, he feeds, he protects. So in this series that we're establishing is we're going to be working on and really going on this journey of how he leads. Say this with me. My father, My father leads me. Leads me. Say, Jesus, Jesus leads me. Leads Say, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit leads, me. leads me. Now, if we keep reading here, it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. See, so how do I walk through? Because he's leading me through. He's leading me through. He's with me. He's not somewhere. He's with me. He's leading me. Though you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Why will goodness follow me all the days of my life? Why? Because he's leading me. See, when you are following him and he's leading you, goodness and mercy will follow you. Goodness and mercy will surround about you. When you're allowing him to lead you, he will set you in the midst of your enemies and he will anoint your head with oil and your cup runs over. It doesn't matter how close your enemy is to you. It doesn't matter because you know that all the same time the Lord is leading you. You see, and this is, this is the father's heart. He wants to lead us in, in paths of righteousness. He wants to lead us into good places. He wants to lead you every step of the way in your life. It's his desire to lead us. Amen. Let's go to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. John 16. Let's look at verse 13. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. He will guide you. Guide you into all truth. Guide you. Another word for guide here is to lead you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. So here is Jesus, who was sent by God, speaks to us that he's going to send the Holy Spirit and says that he is going to guide you. And he's going to show you things to come. So here we see the heart of the father. The heart of Jesus is he wants to guide us into 
all truth. He doesn't want you. He doesn't. He's not trying to keep anything from you. He's not trying to hide from you. He's not trying to to only give you just a little bit. No, he's trying to guide you and lead you in all truth. He wants to direct you in every area of your life. Hallelujah. He wants to show you things to come. He wants to show you the path to take in your life. He wants to guide you every, in every area of your life, how you parent, how you, how you're, how you treat your spouse, how you lead, how you run your business, how you get customers, how you, how you, how you do things, how you, how you, um, conduct your finances, how you, he wants to lead you into all truth. Because, you know, if you know the truth, what the truth will make you free. So if he can lead me in all truth, then it means he can lead. He wants to wants and desires to lead me in places of freedom in every area of my life. It's his desire to lead it. The father wants to lead us. Let's go to Romans chapter eight. Romans chapter eight, verse eight. Thank you, Father. So then they that are that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh. Let me read that again. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh. Say, thank the Lord. But in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is alive or alive or spirit is alive because of righteousness. Amen. Amen. My spirit's been made alive. If I'm in the flesh, I can't please God, but I'm not in the flesh. I'm in the spirit. Right. And we just learn where the spirit is. All right, is the one that's going to lead us into all truth and he's going to show us things to come. Verse 11, but if the spirit of him that raised up Christ Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Meaning the spirit that I have is going to quicken my mortal body. Meaning the spirit that I've received has the ability to direct my here and now. My mortal body, even though I'm in the flesh, I'm not, even though I'm in the flesh, I I have a spirit and the spirit that he's given me is sent to quicken my mortal body. Amen. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that dwells on the inside of us to quicken our mortal bodies, to direct our lives. (laughs) Say, I am a spirit. I have a soul and I live in a body. But see, too often, too often we have a spirit and we have a soul and we let our body control everything. We let our, we let our soul control, we control our body when we need to allow our spirit to dictate our soul that will dictate our body. See, God wants to lead us, but the issue that we run into oftentimes is we allow our flesh to control us. We allow our flesh to lead us instead of allowing the Spirit of God to lead us. So verse 12, therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. So he's he's saying brethren. So so here he's saying brothers, brothers, my, my friends here. He goes, you don't have to give in to the dictates of your flesh. You don't have to let your flesh control you for the rest of your life. You're, you don't owe your flesh anything. Verse 13. For if, if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are sons of God. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're sons of God. So when I'm being led by the Spirit, I'm walking as His Son and walking as His child. Verse 15, for you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, 
but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. So we have to overcome two things if we are going to allow the good shepherd to lead us. We're going to have to overcome our flesh and we're going to have to overcome fear. You see, the things in this natural world and fear are the two things that are going to control and dictate your life. Now, what I'm about to get into, I'm just laying a foundation this week, okay? Um, and, and so I get, that's why it's more teaching and, and just, just want to deposit this in our hearts because it, it's really important for you to see God's desire in this. You see, what I'm about to share with you is if I would share this in some churches, they would laugh me right out of the church. You know, if you start talking about some of the things I'm about to share, people would kind of say, he just said that he hears God's voice. Did you hear that preacher? He said when he woke up, God told him. Oh, he's so, he'd, you know, I, I remember being on the mission field in, in Guatemala and, and we were, um, we were in, in this particular village. Uh, in Tierra Nueva Dos was the name of the village. And, and it was right on the side where they had had an earthquake. And, and so it had divided and became a, a, a canyon, so to speak. And, and so these people were living on the sides of these mountains. And we were doing medical clinic. We were doing the medical clinics. And I was the pharmacist, so to speak. And in there, I wasn't really a pharmacist. But I, they called me the pharmacist because I... I mean, I knew better because I, I, I worked part time as a pharmacy technician years, you know, you know, before I, well, at that same time. And so I was doing that. And, um, and and so all of a sudden we hear this screaming and and all of a sudden they bring someone into the into the, the clinic that um, wasn't breathing. It was a young uh, the father brought the young child into the into the meeting. And and, and so the the the. the all of a sudden, we had, there was a girl, a friend of ours that was there from my church back home, and, um, and she was a respiratory therapist. And, um, and so all of a sudden, and she was a, man, this girl was a Holy Ghost woman. This, the one time, she actually got held up at knife point, just started praying in the Holy Ghost. The guy dropped the knife and ran. And, you know, this girl, I mean, she, I mean, she was like this tall and a respiratory therapist, but I'm telling you, she, she was just awesome. And, and all of a sudden, they bring her in, and she starts declaring the word and preaching the word and start declaring the word over this child. And all of a sudden, the, some of the people we went with didn't really have the same background we did, and they were like, who does she think she is? Does she think she's Jesus? And so, and so the thing is, 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 is religion would, would try to tell us, we don't, we'll try to tell you, well, we'll never know what God's going to do. Uh, you never know what God's going to do. Sometimes he will, sometimes he won't. You never know what God's going to do. And, 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 and so when it comes to hearing God, this, what I'm, what I'm, what we'll be talking about is it, you're not going to hear it in a lot of churches today. You're not going. You're not going to hear it because because people will scoff at you. People will will mock you. You God really spoke to you. And so my question is: Is how come He's not speaking to you? Because it says that He leads us. It says the Holy Spirit will show us things to come. So as how is he going to lead us and show us things to come? Well, you know, well, well, pastor, he's going to lead us because because, you know, you know, you know, God opens doors that no man can shut and shuts doors that no man can open. Wait a minute. You, you take in that scripture out of context. Because first you have to understand it's in Revelation chapter three, verse eight, and he's rebuking the church. And he's telling them, he says, he says, I have opened a door for you that no. See, the, the, you can only go through the doors that God has spoken you to go through. And so people will, people will use the flesh. They'll use fear to con, con, fear in the flesh will control us. We'll always use outside circumstances to try to dictate our life. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> See, I, even as I got into praying about this and studying this, I mean, I, the Lord was stepping on my toes because a lot of times we'll say, well, if it, well, if it's, um, if it, if, if it works, then it must've been God. And if it didn't work, it must not have been God. You know what? You know, I have missed it <laughs> as a pastor, as a husband, as a father. I have missed it. But you know what? I've never missed it when I was following God. You see, we will try to use circumstances. 
Well, you know, well, you know, it was, uh, you know, well, I wanted to go into that school and, and, you know, the school didn't accept me. And, you know, well, if they didn't accept me, it must not have been with the will of God. Well, well, the other person, they tried 10 times and they got in. So was it the will of God for you to go to that school or not? So you, you let the fact that they didn't take you in the first time to take away what you felt in your heart to be a part of that school. So we can, we can allow or, or things like this. Well, if it's, if it's God's will for me to have that donut. Then you know what? There's going to be a parking place right in the front row right there is going to be favor. And you know what? It must have been God's will for me to get that donut. Well, he told you last week, stop eating sugar. So, I mean, I mean, the thing is, we like to throw around these things a lot of and, and we allow circumstances will allow things in the flesh to dictate what's God's voice. Go to Psalms uh, 32. (laughs) Millions of church people don't believe that you can personally and directly hear from God. Think about that statement for a moment. Millions of church people don't believe you can personally and directly hear from God. Even mentioning of it, you'll get looks, laughs, and persecution. Hallelujah. Most people, and even myself at one point, believe that God will direct us through circumstances. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. I guess I need to get to Psalms 32, huh? Thank you, Lord. Psalms 32, verse 8. He says, I, the Lord, will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I, the Lord, will instruct you, this is the Amplified, and teach you in the way you should go. I will. I will teach you and I will instruct you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. I will counsel you. I will teach you with my eye upon you. It says, I will teach you with earthquakes. I will teach you with sickness. He didn't say, I will teach you with poverty. He didn't say, I will teach you with, with you know, I, I, would, I, will, I will direct you because you lost your job. And some people say, well, God must be moving me somewhere else. Well, yeah, that's, that's, that's a possibility. But also, <laughs> what kind of employee were you? See, some people want to say, well, God's transitioning me when you weren't faithful to do what you're supposed to do. I will instruct you. I will teach you. See, God wants to lead us, but we can't allow our circumstances. We can't allow fear. We can't allow what's happening in this natural realm to be the thing that's going to dictate our direction in life. Hallelujah. Next verse says, be not like the horse or the mule, which lacks understanding, which must have their mouths held firm with a bit and a bridle or else they will not come with you. Think about that. He says, I want to teach you and I want to instruct you. I'm going to counsel you with my eye. And then he says, don't be like the horse or the mule who need to be led by bits in their mouth. You know what? You are a lot smarter than a horse. Meaning you don't need natural things to direct your life. You know, it doesn't matter how much I sit down and talk to a horse. I could sit down and talk to Cassie and Rick's horses, you know, all day long. But you know what? They're probably not going to come with me. And see, a lot of times we do the same thing is, is, is we equate ourselves to being like horses and saying, God, we want you to direct us, but we want you to direct us like you would direct a horse. And he tells us not to be that way. Don't be like the horse that needs natural circumstances to direct our lives, but realize I want to teach you and I'm going to counsel with my eye upon you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. The CEV version, the common English version says, you said to me, I will point out the road that you should follow 
and I'll be your teacher and watch over you. Don't be stupid like horses and mules that must be led with ropes to make them obey. I don't know about you, but I don't want ropes on me to get me to obey. You see, a lot of times people would say, you know, people will think God's leading them, um, you know, because because of all of a sudden, you know, waxed on the head. Well, I'll just go this far, this far. And if God whacks me on the head, then I must need to go this way. If God whacks me on the head, I must need to go that way. No, that that's not how God desires to lead his people. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. We use so many things to give us direction and rationalize whether we're in the will of God or not. Hallelujah. Let's go to Ephesians 5. You're just quiet because you're listening, right? Ephesians 5. Some people have the thought, well, you don't really know what God's will is. Well, let's look at the word. Let's see what the word says. Ephesians 5, verse 17, it says, Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Where the last, ver- last scriptures we just looked at, I will teach you, I will instruct you. Don't be like the horse or the mule who don't have understanding. So here he tells us, he says, Wherefore, don't be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Meaning, if he told us that, that for us to understand what the will of the Lord is, meaning he wants us to know it, right? right. So don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. He expects us and desires us to understand his will. He hasn't left us in the dark. Amen. He hasn't hidden anything from us. Amen. Proverbs chapter, uh, I believe Proverbs chapter uh, four, or Proverbs chapter four or six, it says that he's hidden things for us, not hidden things from us. Now think about this whole book from the beginning to the end is all about God said. What you have in your lap is a book of God said. Everything that we read, everything we preach about is based on God said. Second Timothy chapter three says all scripture, all scripture is inspired or you could say God breathed. All scripture is inspired by God so that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished, that might be fully equipped and thoroughly furnished for every good work. So all scripture is God breathed. So all scripture is God said. I mean, just if you go out throughout the scriptures in Genesis one, it said, and God said this, and it was so, and God said this, and it was so, and God said this, and it was so. If you look at, if you look at Abraham, you know, he, what he said, Abraham, Get up from where you are and go to a land that I'll show thee. He, what, he said something to Abraham. You talk about Noah. Hey, hey, the, the, the world is sinful. Hey, you know, you, we have close communion. Man, face to face, he built an ark. God said, God said to Moses, let my, pe- go, go, let my people go. God said to Elisha. God said to Elijah. God said to David. God said through Isaiah. God said through Jeremiah. God said through Ezekiel. So you got to understand everything that we read in this scripture is based on God said. Jesus even said, I only do the things I see my father do. And he also says, I only say the things I hear my father say. See, God wants to instruct us. How is he going to instruct us? By us hearing his voice. When when did it change that all of a sudden now that we live under a new covenant, that we're not supposed to follow his voice? Just as Jesus followed the father's voice. We should follow the Father's voice. You have the Father wants to speak to us. He wants to speak personally and directly with you. So I kind of I kind of hear what what well yeah I can understand he speaks to you no he wants to speak personally and directly with you. 
Let me say it one more time. He wants to speak personally and directly to you. He wants to lead you. How is he going to lead you? Not by circumstances, not by anything that's flesh, not by fear. He's going to speak to you by his spirit. Let's go to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. Now, just a trick question here. Is the book of Acts before Jesus or after Jesus? So Jesus is already in heaven, right? He already ascended to the right hand of the Father, right? So we're talking about how men and women lived after Jesus went to sit at the right hand of the Father. Okay? So when did it change that we should start being led by something else? Because when you talk about being led by something else, then... The, the difficulty is, is now it's responsibility on me to hear for my life. Because I would rather say, well, God just shut the door instead of me standing and having done all to stand. Acts chapter 8, verse 29, and we're going to go through a lot of scriptures here in Acts. It says, then the spirit said unto Philip. Go near and join thyself to the chariot. Who said? The Spirit said. The Spirit said. Let's go to uh, Acts chapter 9. Verse, verse 10. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here. And the Lord said to him, Arise, go into the street which is called Straight, inquire in the house of Judah for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prays, and has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Who said? The Lord said. Now, get this. It was was personal. It was direct. And it had details. He told him what street to go to. He told him what the guy's name was going to be. The Lord said. See, the Lord wants to lead us by his Holy Spirit. He wants to direct us by the Holy Spirit. Even the Apostle Paul, a few verses before that, he gets knocked off his donkey. And he he says, who are you, Lord? The Lord was speaking to him. And he tells him, go into, go into this street called Straight because there's a man there named Ananias that's going to lay hands on you. <laughs> and the scales are going to fall off your eyes. Let's go to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, verse, let's see, 19. This is right after Peter had a vision, had a dream there, fell into a trance. Verse 19 says, while Peter thought on the vision... The Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Arise, therefore, and get thee down, and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Who said? The Spirit said. The Spirit said. Three men seek thee. See, it's it's precise, it's direct, it has details. And it was the Spirit of God leading him in the way that Peter should go. Arise, therefore, get thee down, and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the man which was sent unto him from Cornelius and said, Behold, I am he who you seek. What is the cause wherefore you are come? Verse 22, And they said, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man, and one that feareth God, and of good report among all the nations of the Jews, was warned from God by a holy angel. 
You see, when you start talking about, then I'll get this, bring this into right now. All of a sudden, someone that you work with showed up and said, hey, Cassie, um, man, I was warned by an angel. An angel showed up in my crib and I'm telling you, it was crazy, but I'm telling you, he told me this to go to a place called Chapa and there's this guy that's going to be there and he's going to talk to you about the Holy Spirit. You got to understand, they saw an, you start talking about, you saw an angel to people you work with, they're going to think you're loopy, but it happened. And this is in the new covenant. See, you, you have to understand is, is we, we, we don't, it's kind of like, okay, this is kind of far out there. But the thing is, you have to bring it into your life on how God wanted to direct them. He directed them what? By an angel. He directed them by the spirit of God, directed them by the voice of the Lord. He wants to lead us. He wants to lead us. Let's go to Acts chapter 11. Verse 12, it says, and the spirit bade me go. That word means instruct. The spirit instructed me to go with them, nothing doubting. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me and we entered into the man's house and he showed us. Now, yes, how he had seen an angel in his house. Which stood and said unto him, send me to Joppa. So the angel said, send me to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who shall tell thee words whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on the beginning. Then I remembered I the word of the Lord. So what happened? The spirit of God caused him to remember something. See, the Holy Spirit will bring things back to your remembrance. He remembered. Oh, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did to us who believed in the Lord Jesus, what was I that I could withstand God? When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. So here, God was, God was speaking to Peter to open up the gospel to the Gentiles. You see, so God was speaking to something to Peter that was against tradition. It wasn't tradition that, they, that, that, that the Gentiles should have the gospel preached to them. See, God will speak things to you that may go against your understanding, go against your tradition, go against what you've ever done before. But he, the Spirit spoke to Peter and said, I want you to take it to them. I want you to, I, I want you to beat, meet these people. Hey, and do it with nothing doubting. Go. And what happened is all of a sudden a whole people group that leads up to you and I are now participants of the spirit of God. We are partakers of God said. Yes. We are partakers of what God said to Peter and what the angel revealed to Cornelius. Someone's waiting for you to respond to God said. Someone's waiting for you to respond to, to what God's leading you to do. But too often we, we're wait, we wait for signs. We're waiting for doors to open. We're waiting for, for, for three flashes of light and handwriting on the wall. God said, let's get to a place when God says we respond. Amen. And make sure what he's saying is lining up with his word. <laughs> now, now, get me, there's, there's people that... Not everyone that says God said, God said. Not everyone that says, well, God said, Pastor. Uh, well, if God said, um, then he would never have said for you to have an affair. That, that's not God said. That's deception. God would never, he leads you in the way that you should go. He doesn't lead you in the way you shouldn't go. And he'll never lead you outside of what his word or what his plan is. Hearing God, you have to understand, number one, that he desires to lead you and direct you. He's given us his spirit and he wants to lead you and speak to you. Let's go to Acts chapter 13. Verse two. The Amplified says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said. Separate now me for Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Then after fasting and praying, they put their hands on them and sent them away. So the Holy Spirit said, and when the Holy Spirit said something, they separated and they sent. 
The Holy Spirit separated Paul and Barnabas and sent Paul and Barnabas. The Holy Spirit is going to direct you in your life. He's going to direct you in your ministry. The next verse says, so then being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went. The Holy Spirit will send you. The Holy Spirit will separate you, but he's going to speak to you. He's going to direct you. When I, when I first came to Texas here, and at first there was this, I, had, I just heard this in my heart. I can't say it was an audible voice, but I heard in my heart, go visit Texas and just come visit the, uh, the Bible school. That was November of 1998, November 8th of 1998 to be exact. And so, and so I said, okay. And I, I called my friend that lived here and, and, I, and I said, is it okay if I come in January? So I came in January. So what happened? I was, I just was being directed by this kind of like something in my heart. Okay, go to, go to, all right, go, go to Texas. That was, that was all I heard. Go to Texas. Okay, I get to Texas. And that week, some of you heard me this, tell the story. While, while they were at work, I was in their living room and just worshiping God. And all of a sudden, the presence of God came on me so strong that I went to the floor. And the Lord spoke to me and said, you'll be in Texas for the majority of the rest of your life. I went back to, I went back to Maryland. You know what? I knew, I knew that I knew what I heard. You know, it wasn't me. Okay, let me, uh, let me see. Okay, well, if I don't get out of debt, then you know, then I can't come. If I don't do this, I'm not gonna. I was, I, I got to a place where I couldn't set up parameters where I was gonna go because I heard. And see, a lot of times we we try to rush God. A lot of times we hear what we want to hear. Instead of waiting until there is a confidence down on the inside of us that that's the right way to go. I don't want to encourage you. Never make decisions to relieve pressure. Now, you may make decisions under pressure, but don't make decisions just to relieve pressure because you may make the wrong decision. And if someone's forcing you and pressing you to make a decision, then they're not your friend. You need to have the time to sit back and, and wait till you hear and to where whatever you're hearing is giving you some sort of peace. Now, there's a lot this direction this series is going to go being led by peace and, you know, let peace be your umpire. And there's a lot of things going to go. This is just the foundational stuff because I want you to understand God wants to lead you, but he's going to lead you by speaking to you by the spirit that he gave us to guide us into all truth. Okay. Uh, Acts chapter 16. Told you I had a lot of scripture tonight. <laughs> Acts chapter 16, verse 6. Now, when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia, now, and were forbidden by the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. They were forbidden by the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. After they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. Who suffered them not? And they, passing by Mysia, came down to trials. And the vision appeared to Paul in the night. And there stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel unto them. So here we first see this. It says that the Holy Spirit forbade them to go to Asia. Now, and this is where some things is, is you have to understand where. Um, okay, for instance, anybody tell me what the Great Commission is. Yeah, be bold about it. Come on. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. You see, the thing is, is if, if you're not careful, you could be operating in your thoughts under the word, but be out of the will of God. You're like, what? You see, the, the scripture is go into all the world and preach the gospel. Well, but the spirit said, don't go to Asia. Don't go to Asia. <laughs> don't go to Bithynia. You know, so, so the thing is, is just because you, because see, the thing is, is, is why not go to Asia? Well, maybe Paul wouldn't have stood before Caesar if he went to Asia. Maybe he would have been killed too soon. And he, and he could sit back and say, well, he was a martyr in Asia, but yet he didn't finish his call. There's a lot of people that I believe have died too early 
because because they were they were flesh led instead of spirit led. And my prayer is that I am my wife, my family, our children. We are always in the right place at the right time. And the thing is, Paul could say, yeah, man, I, I preached in Iconium. I preached in Lystra. I preached in Derby. You know what? I'm going to give them the word in Asia. Man, I've got this revelation for Asia and I want to give this revelation. And man, I'm going to Asia. I'm going to Asia. And what happens? The Holy Spirit is saying, no, you need to, you need to wait. No, you need to wait. Well, I'm going to Asia because they need to hear my revelation, this revelation of grace. They need to hear it. They need to hear it now. And he goes there and misses God. And see, but see, a lot of times what we do is, well, well, if it was good, it was God. If it wasn't, it was me. And, and we base things on good. But, but what happened is, how much money did you waste doing it? How much time did you waste doing it? How many things? And what now, because you did that, now you can't do something else. But if, you, if you're doing circumstance-led or, or based on how it looks on the outside, then, then you know what? You're going to miss out somehow, some way. But Paul said, said, no, the Holy Spirit told us not to go. You know, I remember Dr. Savell was, uh, was asked to go to, man, I want to say it was either the Dominican or it was Columbia. And it was a huge church. It was a huge conference. And, and as he was, um, he was about to leave, his, his, all, everything was paid for. And he's about to leave. And, and man, he just felt in his heart, he says, Lord said, don't go. Don't go. Don't go. And, and man, he, he had to call the pastors up and, and say, you know what? I, I know this is difficult. I know it's hard, but man, the Holy Spirit is telling me not to go. And, and man, those people were mad. They had advertised. They had done all these things. I, and, I, and I've seen this happen in churches. The pastors get mad. And, and, and I heard Dr. Savell this. He, Savell say this. He goes, I would rather obey God man. than please man. man. And there's times where we've done that where, where Dr. Savell is, you know, out of his own, own accounts, you know, because he wasn't there, he'd actually send them an offering, just an apology that, that this, just, just out of just good graces. Anything you spend on advertising, you know, he'd pay them back or whatever, whatever it is. It's just the man of integrity that he is. But he was more interested in being led by this. I remember, you know, uh, flying, you know, flying with him when we, when I traveled and did book tables. And there was times where we would be on the way to the airport about to get on the plane. And all of a sudden he'd, 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 he'd tell the pilot, he'd say, no, we, we need to stay. We need to stay. And then there's times where, where I was hoping he'd say stay because there were storms coming in. And, and he goes, no, we, we can go. And we, cause we had a window like this big to get the plane through, through thunderstorms. And, you know, in a, in a, in a Cessna one, 500, even though it's a jet, I mean, you're, you're hitting winds and you're dropping, you know, thousands of feet at one shot, but he, he's just sitting back there reading like, okay, be quiet. Cause he knew that he, he's, he was, he, he it's okay to go. So I, I've, I've watched him. So, so, you know, why, and, and on the reverse side of that, there's friends of, you know, actually Rick's mentor. And his mentor, um, uh, I won't mention his name, but was a pastor in West Texas of a bunch of cowboy churches. And he was a, he was a pilot, but he was fairly young piloting. And, and uh, he flew out, I believe, was it to Vegas or was that area? And he flew out to Vegas and, you know, he was rushing to get back. His, his, his daughter and son didn't want to go with him. The wife didn't want to go with him. And they just didn't feel good about it. And, he, and even all his pilot friends were telling him, no, you, you don't need to go. You're not skilled to operate in this type of flying weather. You're not skilled to operate in this. And, and you know, so, you know, um, but he said, no, I need to get back. I've got meetings. I've got these things I've got to deal with. And he took off and he ran into a side of a mountain and he and died. That wasn't his, people say, oh, well, it must have been his. No, it wasn't. It was not his time. I know another pastor that, that uh, out, out of California, and um, he, he was, it was a few years ago that he, w- he was flying, and, and his pilot kept telling him, you know, there's some things wrong with, with one of our engines, and needs to get, it needs to get looked at. And, and, he so, and, the, and the pastor said, said uh, the, the leader of the ministry said, well, no, no, just one more flight. We'll, we'll take care of it after we get home. And it was several stops on that last flight. On that last flight, as soon as they were going up, the whole plane exploded. But the pilot's saying, no, no, we need to get this. No, we need to get this fixed. No, we need to get this fixed. No, we need to get this fixed. Oh, no, it's, it's going to be okay. The, the thing is, is and he, but people will say, oh, it must have been God's will for him to die in a plane crash. No, it wasn't his will. It wasn't his time. It wasn't his time. Pay attention to the warnings. Pay attention to what the Spirit of God is saying. I could go on and on with stories. But you have to understand, he wants to direct us. 
I don't want to be led by circuit just because it doesn't look right. Ecclesiastes talks about, talks about if you wait till all circumstances are right, you won't sow. You, I don't, we don't sow based on what it looks like. Annette and I, there's times where, where the Lord said, I want you to sow all your salary for the first months of January. And I'm like, well, that was just after Christmas. And, you know, um, you want us to sow what? We got a kid going to college and you want us to do what? And, and you know, but, well, all right, we had to make adjustments. We had to cut back. We had some change. But you know what? We sowed our first month's salary. I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back. I'm just saying, just saying, you know, the Spirit of God's going to direct you. He wants to direct you. He wants to lead you. Hallelujah. Act, go to Acts 20. Verse 22. The Amplified says, And now you see, I'm going to Jerusalem, bound by the Holy Spirit, and obligated and compelled by the convictions of my own spirit. So what happened? He was bound by the Holy Spirit, but now he's obligated and compelled by the convictions of his own spirit. So the Spirit of God directed him, and now he's, he is going because now it's a revelation. This is what I need to do. Now get this, not knowing what will befall me later. See, there's a possibility there's in the seasons is, is all we're required is to do the step we just heard. Too often we want all the steps. But here he tells us, he's saying, he goes, I'm going there because God told me to go there, but I'm not knowing what will befall me. See, you might not know the end result. All you need to know is the step. All you're responsible for is the step you have right now. You're not required to know. You don't need to know the whole. Sometimes if I knew what God had called me to do, what I'm doing now, and if I knew this 24 years ago, I would probably not have done it. But I, I was like, okay, I take that step. I didn't know what would befall me when I got to Texas. <laughs> the thing is, is you just have to let him lead you. Let him lead you. Verse 23, except that the Holy Spirit clearly... Now, I love this amplified clearly and emphatically affirms to me in this, this city. See, the Holy Spirit will clearly and emphatically affirm. He's going to constantly speak to you, yes. affirm you, affirm what he's already spoken to you, affirm what God's word says about your situation. He's going to affirm it, that imprisonments and sufferings await me, but none of these things move me. Most of church people don't think it's possible to be led this way. But God wants to lead you through the Holy Spirit, lead you through his voice. This is foreign to most people's thinking, even my own throughout my Christian walk. People want to be flesh-led, circumstance-led, and fear-led. Without turning there for the sake of time, in 1 Kings chapter 19, we see a story of Elijah and, and Elijah, you know, he's, he's, he's kind of d- disturbed. He's kind of, you know, he's been, he ran from Jezebel. He, he laid down and, and, and so forth. And he, angel of the Lord wakes up and speaks to him, like I said, and he says to him something. And he talks to him. Why? God's wanting to direct Elijah in his life. And then he goes on and he says, he talks about, he was standing on the side of the mountain. And he said, he goes, well, there was the wind. And he said, but God wasn't in the wind. See, God is, isn't teaching our world right now right. by, by right. hurricanes. Right. Right. It, it, I, I know there's some people out there, but well-meaning people that God is, was, is judging people with hurricanes. God poured out his judgment on Jesus, okay? Let's get this straight. Hurricanes are a result of being in a fallen earth. The earth is groaning, Romans chapter 8 says. So it's not God judging, you know, people in, in Florida or, or, or the Caribbean. No, it's the earth that's crying out because it's desiring a savior. And so, so he, he doesn't speak through the wind. Then it says, and there was an earthquake. But it said God wasn't in the earthquake. Earthquakes aren't a response of God's judgment. It's a response of an earth that's filled with sin. Then it says, and there was a fire. I, I even saw a post today on Facebook that said, said, you know, um, all, all California is on fire. And, and they're saying, well, it looks like karma to me. I'm like, seriously? 
That's karma. I have good Christian friends that are in California. Don't, don't declare that over my friends. Don't declare that over my people. God is not speaking to us in this hour through storms. But then it says, but he said he was in the still small voice. How does God speak? Still small voice. Why is, it, why is it still? Because he sent the Holy Spirit to not only be with us, to be in us. He wants to speak to you. And you know, you're like, well, I've never heard God's voice. Yes, you have. Well, I've never really heard the Holy Spirit's voice. Yes, you have. You just didn't know it. You have. And the thing is, is, is he wants to cultivate a relationship with you. So you become more familiar with that voice than you do the voice of your flesh or your circumstances. He wants his voice to lead you, not your circumstances lead you. Let's go to John 10 and I will close with this. Told you I had a lot. Hallelujah. He doesn't desire, he doesn't direct us through external circumstances. He directs us with his voice. We are to be God-inside-minded. And he wants to speak directly and personally right where we are. John chapter 10. And this John chapter 10 is really where the rest of this series is going to be birthed out of. John chapter 10, verse 1. Hallelujah. It says, I assure you most solemnly, I tell you, he who does not enter by the door into the sheepfold but climbs up some other way is a thief in a robber. See, the enemy always wants you to do it another way. The enemy always wants you to do it a different way than God's way. Verse two, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. The watchman opened the door for this man and the sheep listened to his voice and heed it. Are you his sheep? It says that he's our shepherd and it says that he, that we listen to his voice and we heed it, mean we obey it. And he calls his own Sheep by name and brings them or leads them out. When he was brought, when, when he has brought his own sheep outside, his own sheep outside, he walks on before them. What is he walks on before them? What is that? He's leading them. He is the shepherd. I shall not want, he leads me. If you're his own, It means his desire is for him to lead you and you to follow him. Now get this. How do you you follow him? He walks on before me and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. I mean, he doesn't have to look at them. He just speaks. Hallelujah. Verse 5. They will never follow a stranger. But will run away because they do not know the voice of strangers or recognize their call. I wish I had time for Annette to share something with you. I just, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hmm. Here, get to, get to know his voice. Get to know his voice. Because you're his own. And I'll close with this, verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know, meaning I'm intimately acquainted with, and I recognize my own. Now get this, and my own know and recognize me. This whole series is going to be birthed out of you knowing him and him knowing you. And it all begins when you understand that he has a desire to lead you by his spirit. To where you're not being led by everything in this world, but you're being led by him. But it's going to require us knowing him and realizing that you are his own. And he wants to know you intimately. He wants to direct you personally. It doesn't matter. It's not about if you've been a Christian for 20 years. You may be here tonight and watching by way of internet and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. But you know what? The Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now. Because he's always leading you to the Father. 
He wants you to know him intimately and he wants you to know his voice and he wants to lead you as, as Psalm 32 in the way that you should go. He wants to lead you, not your circumstances. He wants to lead you, not fear. He wants to lead you, not pressure. He wants to lead you. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. And Father, as a church, we take on this, this desire. We take on this, this challenge, so to speak, Father, to grow up into this as a body where we're being led by you. That we are coming to a place where we're hearing God and we're following. And as we follow you, you will lead us in paths of righteousness. You will lead us through through valley of the shadow of death. You will put us in a place in the presence of our enemies where our cup runs over, where we lack nothing. And goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life because we choose to follow your voice. We thank you for it tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. You receive that tonight? Amen. Hallelujah.